Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, just for a few minutes here. Verse 1, we'll read down through to verse 7 of Acts 6. We are learning what it is to be normal Christians. We could say there is a new normal. There is a normal life, and then there is the new normal through the new birth. By being born again and then filled with the Spirit, we have what we can call is the new normal. And what is that? It's so interesting that in the beginning of Christianity in the first century, one of the incredible elements of the Christian life is that it works in the common life, in everyday living. It works in uh, the street, the Colosseum, Outside the pagan temple, in the family, husband, wife, children. Uh, when you are a slave in the Roman times, and by the way, slavery has always been a part of human, the human race. Every civilization has had slaves. The Jewish law under Moses was that there was room for slavery but it was not racially determined, and it wasn't permanent. You are a slave for six years. The seventh year, you went free. And in slavery in the pagan world or the ancient world, the first century of the Christian faith, we read about how slavery was part of the writings of the apostles. They talked about slaves being submitted and obedient, masters being kind and being responsible. We could say that the amazing thing about our faith is that we have a new normal that we take to work with us every day, a new normal that is in the backyard or in the public school or the health club. It's a new normal. It's being kind, being loving, being spirit-filled, being wise, being educated. One of the characteristics of the Jew was that he was educated. He was educated in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And one of the marks of the Gentile believer, the born-again Christian, was his education. Like us tonight here, gathering to read our Bible and talk about it, to have preaching and understanding and for the Spirit to come into our, into our understanding and that we would take it to work tomorrow, that it would work in our lives. Wow! Because if you think about it, if your religion doesn't work in your life, then it's like only like it was for many of us who was packaged for a Sunday morning for one hour and maybe some residual effects morally 
And of course, we appreciate that. But it's nothing compared to the new birth when God gives you a new heart and circumcised ears, circumcised tongue, circumcised heart. So this was uh, interesting. I have a picture of uh, Hungary up on the up on the uh, on the board here. I don't know if that's going to come up on my iPad. I don't know how to do that. It's not there. And I'm going to put it up there. <laughs> you know, how do you do that? <laughs> okay. Oh, is it coming? Okay. Now, um, as many of you know, back in the you know, uh, in the history, we were living in Finland. We got very close to the Soviet Union in our mission work. And we were always praying there, the Finnish churches and, and us uh, missionaries there, that if communism ever ended, we would go. We were hoping we would. And it ended in 1990, so we were in Finland 1975 to 81, and the work continues there, of course. And then in 1990, the communism ended, and Pastor Mati, who was here with us last week, led the team to Budapest, Hungary. And it was a former communist country, which officially was atheistic. But just like we see in our country that we have a secular world, but in our secular country, we have also the church. The church. And we read about it here in chapter 6. So read it with me. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied... There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. To say it, break that down in simple terms, the church had an administrative need. The leaders, of course, would meet that administrative need, but if they did, they would lose a lot of time and concentration on an administrative detail that could be done by others. And the leaders said, we have to give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Guys, how can you have disciples unless you have the Word? It's the Word that changes our hearts. It's the Word that we feed on. It's our education. It's the new normal. Actually, that fits in with the idea that we have a lot of pastors who have been trained through the decades and are ordained and are doing ministry and it's because, and all of the women behind them, of course, 
we should do that one night and have all the pastor's wives come up here and sing. Let me know ahead of time so I won't go to that meeting. No, but I'm seriously, the amazing women in our church, it's amazing. The godly women, it's amazing. And how effective, how influential, how wise, how supportive, how kind, how gracious, how selfless they are and what they do. It's amazing. So here we have a a structural outline for the church here. And you have administration and then you have the ministry of the Bible where they could teach the Bible. Because the at Proverbs 15.24, wisdom is above to escape from hell below. Where we could say the wisdom that is from God helps me live in a world that is at times hellish, difficult. Sometimes I, I meet people, I've met a couple of guys through the years who really want to live a perfect life. They go for perfect decisions and they want a perfect education and then the perfect job and then finally perfect marriage and then the perfect family and living happily ever after. I praise God that that didn't happen to me. That I didn't think like that. I'm so happy. My life was already messed up so much, so many different ways. I had no confidence. Yeah, it's not that way. Shift. Go to the new normal. The new normal is something else. The new normal is not you and I having most people in life have never had even the idea of making decisions so calculated and have such a perfect life that they are deciding that they are in charge. Have you ever noticed how you're really not in charge? Your perfect education. Is it a perfect education? Is it a perfect job? Did you marry the perfect person? Do you even... Do you think sometimes you married the wrong one? Amazing. There's something else in our life. This is God. God. It's much better to trust God with all our hearts. It's much better to live life, and it's not a perfect thing. It's the way is above to escape from the hell below, Proverbs fifteen twenty four. Okay, I, 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 I'm sorry, I gotta, I can't, I've got to move on here. Go to chapter 6, 3. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. 
You know why people go to Greater Grace Churches? Because of the Word of God. You know why they go to Calvary Chapel, or they used to, or they still do, or any church, Presbyterian, Baptist, whatever? You know why people really want to go? Do you know what people are really looking for? <coughs> Excuse me. The Word, aren't they? We will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Please give me a word, Lord, because I don't think I married the right person. Not in my case. Thank you, Lord, for that. But there are people that go to bed at night thinking like that. Lord, you have a word for me. I don't think I got the education. I I got such a perfect education. Maybe I, I didn't end up. Doing the right, I don't, I don't even know. I, man, Jeremiah 10, 23, man does not know how to direct his footsteps. So, chapter 6, verse 5. The saying pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procherus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. They had prayed, they laid hands on them, and the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So we have a sequence there. Why do we love Maryland? We like, there's a Psalm 102. We love the dust of Jerusalem. Let me, let me find that Psalm 102 for you and put it up on the screen when I tell you the verse here. <clears throat> 102 verse. Um, uh, 12, 13, 14. 14. I'll read 12 and 13. But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever your remembrance unto all generations. You shall arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her. Yea, the set time is come. But you can put in there any kind of place in the world, I believe, like Hungary. Hungary in Eastern Europe, surrounded by nine countries, a mission field. Former communist, all kinds of uh, needs, all kinds of people, all kind, the history, the trouble in life, and, and you can go anywhere in the world and then love Maryland. Maryland. I'm fascinated by sometimes we are drawn to places because of the climate. We are drawn to places because of maybe the culture, we're drawn to places because of the economics or whatever it might be. But there's another way, and it is, it is this one. We come before God, and we say, Lord, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to speak? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to love? How do you want me to forgive? How do you want me to pray? 
where do you want me to be? And in this case, they are in, uh, in Acts 6, they are in Jerusalem. And there is a lot of opposition, but there is a moving of God. There is a revival. And they have disciples and even obedient priests, Jewish priests that are Orthodox Jews that have become believers in Christ. And Stephen is there. And the opposition is heating up. But the disciples are staying. And Stephen, in the next chapter, is stoned to death. And the church is scattered. But here we have in Psalm 102, it says, uh, verse um, 14, For your servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. Beautiful. Pastor Mati told how he hated being in Uzbekistan. But our, our bass player here is from Uzbekistan. He was a teenager when Pastor Mati was living there. And when Pastor Mati's Pasha, and when Pastor Mati said, I, I wanted to leave Uzbekistan, the smells, the village life, the animals in the street, the way it was, the poverty, or whatever the reasons. And, and he just, and the, the bedroom that he was living in was Grand Central Station. Do you remember when he said that? But God said, stay. And he obeyed. Pasha's here. Pastor Mati loves Uzbekistan. We love Maryland. We love Hungary. We love the mission. We have a new normal. We have a normal because Christ so loved the world that he came into this world. And he could say, I don't like the climate. I don't like to be in the presence of those Orthodox Jews that are legalistic and they're going to crucify me. And so on. But our new normal is something deeper than our natural life. It's something that God is doing. And when you touch it, you say, you know, I didn't get, nah, it's not about a perfect education. It's about God's will. It's not the perfect job. It's God's will. It's the woman that I married. This is God's will for me to love her, to learn to love her, and to pray for her and to help her, and encourage her. And for her to say to her husband, I want to honor you, respect you. Do you know how Christianity grew in the first century? And I mean, it grew fast. Within 200 years, there are thousands, scores, tens of hundreds of thousands of Christians. Guys, you can take it to work with you. Because it works by the water tank. It works in your home. Because it works at the health club. It works on the football field. It works when you lose your job. It works when your uncle dies or your mother passes away. And the burial of a Christian is like with hope. And the pagans saw this. They saw this. They, How do you do it? How do you do it? And the answer is... I, I'm a common man like everybody, but I have some words. I have faith. I have the Spirit. I have God who answers my prayer and loves me. 
I am tempted like you, but somehow I have some power. And sometimes that temptation has no power on me. I can walk away from it. I have his joy and his peace. And in the beginning of the church age, in this chapter, the apostle said, we got to pay attention to what we're doing because we need prayer and words. And if prayer and words are in Silver Spring, Hava de Grace, if they're in Fed Hill and, and Glen Burnie, and if they're in York, Pennsylvania, and, and wherever else we go, where we will love the stones thereof and the dust thereof and say that the Lord has sent us here with a message. And there's a soul in the Starbucks. There's a soul at the Dunkin' Donuts, or there's a soul at the health club, or there's somebody in my neighborhood that is in great need. I read in uh, Laura Laura's, uh, Garner's um, devotional book that she published today about um, her mom gave her a 1,000 ibuprofen uh, pills in a big bottle and said, here, take this. She put it in her car, pulled into, drove away and pulled into a parking spot and, and somebody, somebody stumbled out of their car and knocked on her window and just said, do you have some money? I need to buy some pills in the pharmacy. And, and she said, I need some ibuprofen. And she said, oh, I just got a thousand of them right here and poured them in her hands, cupped her hands and, I poured the pills, and she said, I felt God was in that. I felt God was in it. It was like a divine appointment. I felt God is in the detail. God is in some encounter in the parking lot. God is in my life. God is there in the morning and in the nighttime. God is in our life. God is in our mission. God went to Hungary and was there long before us. But we also saw the Hungarians gather around us in great numbers all the time, all the time, and hear the message of Christ. The communists, they said, they came and told us there is no God. Now you Americans are coming and saying there is God. Why should we believe you? And we, we, saw, we saw good things happen. And so we're going back next week, and, and our hope is that the joy, the humility of the body, the joy, the simple peace, and our new normal is a message to people, and it works. And we're not, we're not, we, we don't, we're not any different from anybody, but, but like Jesus, like it says in this chapter, when the word came, the disciples increased and multiplied. And when disciples increased, then there's a new normal in that fellowship. And they are saying, um, um, this is real. Amen. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Lord.
Lord, we pray for this fellowship with Indians are coming, Chinese, Africans. We bring it to you in prayer. We ask you to visit us in the body of Christ as we gather there and here in Baltimore and Maryland. For there be an increase, Lord. An increase of our joy, our freedom, our sense of authority, our blessing, our increase in divine appointments, a sense of God in life. And in, in every and all common living, Lord, your anointing in our lives, we pray. We ask it in your name. Thank you for this assembly tonight and and also anyone listening and you don't have Jesus in your life. He is here for you. He cares about you. He died for you. You're seriously, seriously needing him. We are wrong. We are wrong. We are in trouble. We are in great need of salvation and to put our trust in him. He will he, he hears you and he answers you. He's in your life. He's in your life by faith in him. In Jesus name. Amen.